0: Okay, so how many of you have ever had that awkward experience where you had, like, let's say you had some big bills on you, like, maybe you had, like, a few hundreds, uh, you know, you took it out from the bank, or maybe you got it was, like, it was for your birthday. You know how, like, grandma always gives you $100 bills for your birthday, and you're like, yeah, grandma. Anyways, um, I've had this experience where you go to use that bill at the, like, you know, like at Save-On or wherever, the clerk, and they look at you, and they have to check the bill. They're like, oh, okay. And, and But it's really awkward, because you have to be like, mm, it's, it's, it's okay, you know, it's real. I got it for my birthday, and they're like, okay, birthday boy, hey, Greg, get the machine, we got a birthday boy here, let's check this thing. And they have to check your bill, right? It feels weird, you just feel like, uh, untrusted, you feel a little sketch. Okay, this is on a massive scale, more infinitely important scale, this is what was happening in Galatia. In this letter, the occasion of this letter, so Paul, you gotta remember, he came preaching and this first, like Jesus rose from death, saves Paul. Well, you'll hear about a story in a little bit throughout the whole letter, but anyways, he comes to Galatia and he's preaching the gospel that he received from Jesus himself. And, and, and like the whole village and town, they're getting saved, he's raising up elders. He leaves while he's gone, some agitators, some like false teachers, they come into the churches in Galatia and they basically say, you can't trust Paul's gospel. He's not an apostle. He doesn't meet the criteria of apostleship, and they came in and basically were saying, um, listen, this whole grace alone stuff, it sounds good. Oh yeah, you can be free from the law, but we know, so this is what they would say, we know, shouldn't God who wrote the law, shouldn't the way you honor him is by obedience to it? What is this, all this talk about life in the spirit and no longer needing tradition and sacrifices. Mm -mm, Not my Bible, right? This is what they would say. The Old Testament says there's an old covenant about circumcision. And we say, if you really want to mature in your faith, you got to get snipped, but not that way. Circumcised in a worse way. Uh, and so that's what they would say. You need to add to your works. And Paul, he's catching wind of this. He's like, no, I'm gonna have no nothing to do with that. That's not the true gospel. He's like, I'm astonished that you've so, you've so quickly deserted him uh, and the gospel that I brought you. He even says like, if an angel comes and preaches you a different gospel than the one I brought you, let him be accursed. Paul's coming in hot because he's saying, no, the gospel is the good news that Jesus obeyed everything we couldn't in the law, so he fulfills it, he obeys it in our place, and then when on the cross, Jesus paid for all the ways, we broke the law, we broke the law, we, we sinned, we dishonored God, we've hurt others, and so Jesus pays, and so in Jesus, in the person is full salvation that frees you now from obeying the law and gives you a new life, you get the Holy Spirit where you now live new life with God by the Spirit, not the law, so he's coming and going, this is the gospel, you're in Christ, you're in a person, and so he's, he's passionate, but here's the problem. They're undermining his authority. They're undermining his apostleship. They're going, this is not a true gospel because he's not a true dude. So now what he has to do in our context, he's got to prove himself. He's got to defend the gospel by going, now, now look right at me, by going to his testimony, by going to his story, okay? Okay. Um, so let me read, you'll, now, you'll, now you're with me and we can catch up. So let's read. So here's what he says. Look, so he just said, if, if you preach a different gospel than the one you received, you're, you're damned. I'm not trying to please man, I'm pleasing God. And look what he says in verse 11, it'll be on the screen. This is our passage, by the way. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, That's really key for him, he has to establish this. I didn't make it up, he goes on, for I did not receive it from any man. It wasn't handed down, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So Jesus really came to me, and then watch this, watch what he does, he slows down, probably takes a deep breath, breaks his pen, gets a new one, just prays for the fruit of the spirit. And what does he do? He invites them to think through this claim by sharing a few truths from his own journey, from his autobiography. He goes to his testimony, okay? And so let's, let's keep reading what he says. He says this, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and I tried to destroy it And I was advancing, I was like, I was killing it. I was on the up and up in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I listen. he, this is his point. I did not immediately consult with anyone. It's not man's gospel, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were the apostles before me. No, I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Peter, uh, Cephas, and, and, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you, before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They they were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to... uh, he, here's what he's saying. He's saying the reason you can know the origin of the gospel I preached is really from Jesus and you should listen to everything I say in this letter that I'm an apostle. He says, here's how you can know. Number one, you'll know by who I was before Jesus. So th- this, is, this is Paul's testimony. Who I was before. Um, here's what happened at my transformation. And then where I went All of this proves that my gospel was not given by anyone other than Jesus. So, this is where we're going. Now, let me explain some things to you about how I want to apply this sermon, okay? So, here it is. I really, really felt, the moment I started studying it, uh, how amazing... It was how every time Paul, here he's defending himself, but every time he goes to share the gospel, defend the gospel, proclaim the gospel, he uses his story. He goes into his testimony where God saved him, and he uses it in so many, so many ways. And as I was studying that, I felt really, really powerfully in my spirit that for an application that throughout our time, I want us to pause, and I want to point out that like Paul, you have a story and God really loves showing others how your life makes no sense without a real revelation from Jesus. That God loves to empower our story the way he did Paul. So I'm gonna pause throughout our points and I wanna show you that Jesus wants to use your, and he wants to empower your story, okay? In other words, like your life, makes the gospel believable. I want you to know that your life really makes this gospel believable and God loves to put his power on your story. Okay, so let's dive into it. And that's what we're gonna do. So who was Paul before Jesus' revelation? Remember, this is his argument. It's really, really strong. Let me show you why. He says this in verse 13, for you've heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. So if these Judaizers are coming into Galatia with this, well, Paul's gospel is not true, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you guys know me. I hated this gospel, this gospel that I'm preached to you. He's like, I used to persecute people. I would ravage the church. Okay, Just you know, in Acts, it's right here, Acts 8.3, it says, but, but Saul, so Luke records historical facts, but Saul was ravaging the church. And, and listen to what he was doing. How was he doing that? He was entering house after house. He dragged off men and women, young and old, dads and their moms, and, and committed them to prison. I want you to imagine this. I'm sure for Paul, uh, he can still... Uh, see they're scared, stunned, hurting faces. I'm sure he can still hear their screams. I'm sure he can still feel the tight grip as he would rip people to the floor and he would viciously tie them up while their little, little girls and boys, their kids were screaming and he would rip them from their lives and their families and he would commit them to prison. In Acts 26, even more, it's here, he, he tells us that he would even cast his vote against them to kill them. So he could, he could see that little mom's face, 23-year-old girl, because they got married young. He ripped her from prison, and now he's saying, kill her, and kill Stephen, and he would cast his vote. And I'm wondering if Paul knows that there are some in Galatia who've, who've even seen him do this. Okay, so this is a strong argument. I'll explain to you why in a second. So verse 14, and I look at what he says next. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. So listen, listen, listen to what he's saying. He's saying I was a rising star. Now I think too many of us, not too many of us, not in a bad way, but I think it's very natural for us to look at Paul and be like, wow, like here's a guy who was murdering Christians and, and putting them in prison. Like if God can save a guy like that, then he can save anyone. We use that, and I don't think that's wrong, but that's not what he says here. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying, look, I was successful in my career. Like I I had I had I was on the up and up. I had I had advanced beyond everyone. So I think sometimes we don't share our faith with, you know, our boss or like a like a you know one of those aunts and uncles that we fear because there's some CEO of something. And because we think deep down, like, That person needs to hit rock bottom before they'll hear the gospel. But what Paul's saying here is grace came to Paul when he wasn't down, but when he was at his highest. God saves a successful person in the midst of his rising career. So so this is what he's saying. Why is this important? Why is this believable? Well, I'll tell you, that doesn't make sense. What he's doing in the gospel, does it make sense to lose all that? His life doesn't make sense unless Jesus really came to him. So here's how John Stott, much smarter than me says it. A man, it'll be on the screen, in that mental and emotional state is in no mood to change his mind or even to have it changed for him by men. No conditioned reflex or other psychological device could convert a man in that state. Right? Like, think about it, there's no human reason for Paul to become a servant of Jesus. Right? He hated the gospel and he was the best as a Pharisee. The only way to come from that and be totally different is if Jesus really came to you. This is the power of who you were before Jesus came. Okay, which leads us to the second part. Okay, look look what happens next, verse 15. So again, Paul's just sharing his testimony, okay? But when he had he, who had set me apart before I was born, by the way, you should add that when you share your testimony because that really, really is true. Uh, I'll show you in a second here why. And he who called me by his grace, that is the gospel, by the way. So he's saying while I was hurting and killing Jesus' family, successful in my career, God's utterly... Undeserved love found me. See, what Paul came to realize in his journey was that God's sovereign grace was working in his life even before his actual conversion. Okay, you began in God's heart before you began in your mom's body. <laughs> I, just, I just think you need to feel that. And I think the people you share Jesus with, they need to feel it. God's choice to love you forever began a long time ago. Um, I think there's a hunger to be loved like that. More than likely when you share someone and you give them that idea, the spirit will leap in their hearts, And here's what you need to hear: Every person who comes to Jesus has has that at work in their life. Like like, it's almost like when Jesus rose from death, he was like, oh, "I cannot wait to, to 1997 when I'm coming." And then, bam! They they, they they see me, treasure me, and he was perfect in how he saved you. By the way, but here's the thing: When it comes to sharing your story, get excited about seeing your whole life through this lens, ready? He always had saving you in mind. He always had saving you in mind. Think about your life. He always had saving you in mind. Ephesians 1, 4 says it this way, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. God's choice to love you began a long time ago. And I just, I would include that in your testimony. Okay, Paul does. Okay, so we had to cancel our uh, Revive Night on uh, Wednesday. We're gonna reschedule it, Lord willing. I'll confirm on Monday, uh, on the 29th of January. So so in, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. But at that night, Marina, who just became a Christian, she was in our first service, um, she's gonna share her testimony, and it's incredible. But I wanna show you, tell you what happened. So um, she came for prayer one day, and this was just about two weeks after she became a Christian. And she was saying that anytime she goes to pray, she feels a demonic spirit choking her. And so, um, so we we were praying for her, and it was really really powerful. We could we could sense and see that this demonic spirit had left after she prayed. And so I'm on my knees, and we're on there. We're there's a few of us praying for her, and she's just uh, confessing Jesus is Lord. It's really really beautiful. And all of a sudden, this has never happened to me before. Hasn't happened since. Um, I was on my knees, I was praying, and I could see in my mind a little girl who was really, really bright. She was just kind of really, really bright right over here, and that's never happened before, so I'm like, I'm like, this is weird in my head, and so I'm like, Jesus, I'm praying for her. If this is from you, what is it? And I felt like the Lord say to me, I want you to tell her that I've always been with her as a little girl. This is her. And so I said, okay. And so I said, so after we were done praying, I said, Marina, um, I was praying for you and I saw a picture of a little girl. She was really, really bright. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that he's always been with you since you were a little girl your whole life. And she just starts bawling. And the Lord showed her while I said that her whole life and where he was. And she has a tragic story. I don't want to give it away. So come on the 29th. And she just started weeping. And really powerfully, Jenny, who was praying right next to me, said, I saw the same vision. And God wanted to come into her life and say, I've always been with you. And this was true for Paul. This is true for you. The second thing we read is God really loves you. And listen, some of you need to receive this. And it really pleased him to save you. Like you weren't like a, ugh fine spirit, let's go. Like you were not a hassle to him. Look what how Look how Paul says this. This is in the Bible. So if you're like, well, that sounds, it's the Bible. So you have to believe the Bible. Uh, look at verse 15. It'll be on the screen. But when he would set me apart before I was born, who called me by his grace. So remember Paul's teaching when he's writing here, what does it say next? Was pleased was pleased to make Jesus known, was pleased to reveal his son to me. That word means pleasure. It means it made him happy. Like he couldn't wait. He felt joy in revealing Jesus to me. Just so you know, this is how God always has worked. Okay, look at Deuteronomy. This is how Moses, by the way, he explains their salvation. So he says this, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery. The reason God saved you is because he set his love on you and he loves you because he loves you. So here's what Tim Keller, he says about this, which I just, just I hope you receive. He says, this is the only kind of love we can ever be secure in, of course. Of course, this, let me say it again. This is the only kind of love we can ever be secure in, of course, since it is the only kind of love that we cannot possibly lose. That's grace. That's grace. Paul can't, Paul can't do anything to receive that. By the way, this is the greatest power in your story. This is the greatest power in your life. It really is, okay? If you wanna have the greatest power in your life, here it is, I'll tell you it is. If you believe that God's goodness and pleasure is contingent on your goodness, you will always feel as though somehow you can lose his love. Okay, so if you thought this week, I have lost his love, then you then you've you have you I mean the enemy is good at that but you've you've not believed the gospel because because what you've done is you believe that your goodness you being being good and and morally and devoted uh, brings on God's goodness and then God's pleasure you've lost you you don't believe the gospel but if you believe God loves you because He loves you you'll actually be free you'll be free the most important uh arsenal we have in our lives to bring people to Christ is not an argument, but is the gospel truth. Okay, just so you know, I'll show you a quick little story. So second year in Bible college, um my my buddy and I decided we're gonna, we're gonna Spend, spend, a week in spring break in Orlando. So we are in Chicago. So we had no money. So we had enough money for two nights. So we drive down to Orlando and we just show up to this beach. We're like, this is a good area. So we're going to sleep in the car three nights and then find a hotel for two. So we get to this beach and like the providence of God, we meet these people who had a timeshare. Okay. Praise God for timeshare. So, uh, so they invite us in. So every day, we're just like chilling in the hot tub, you know, uh, in the pool. And we're just in this timeshare. And then at night, we'd sleep in our car. Um, so anyways, I'm in this hot tub of one day. And, you know, teenagers are everywhere. It's spring break. And there's this one teenager who's there. And he starts asking us questions. And, and I just say, we're from Chicago Bible College. And I don't remember how it transitioned. But I remember, sh- here's what I remember. I remember sharing my testimony. Just my story in high school, how God saved me and how he used the Ten Commandments to show me my sin. I just shared the gospel with him. And in that moment, he goes, I want to receive Jesus. And I was like, What? I was like, I haven't given you a Tim Keller book yet. This is weird. Shouldn't you read like a book? And he's like, I want to receive Jesus. And I was like, Right, right. That's what this does. Okay, so we prayed, and I just—I inv- he invited Jesus into his heart, and he called me because I gave my phone number. He called me six months later. He's like, "I'm in a youth group. I'm on fire for Jesus. Thank you so much." And here's what blew my mind. It blew my mind that God set His power on His power in saving me, and He used that to save someone else. Isn't that amazing? That God set His power on my story, on my testimony, and it, He He used it in a massive way. So it, it's it's really, really incredible. Okay. That's the best arsenal you will have. It will be the power in your own story. So um, I, I want to pray for you in that, but let me close on the third point. So if that's who Paul was before, how Jesus revealed uh, himself, look at what he does after. Now, all I'm trying to do is set you up for we're studying Galatians together. Uh, Norm's coming next week, so he's going to finish his journey and flow of thought. So I'm going to I'm going to move us in and set it up for him. So here's here's what happens. So. He says this, I did not immediately consult with anyone. That's his goal to tell them. So he's like, this is not man's gospel. This really is the gospel you need to believe. I'm about to explain in this whole letter, the gospel stands on itself. It stands alone. I received it from Jesus. You can trust me, I'm an apostle. And here's how he explains it. So after, before what happened to me, then Jesus saved me, he says, I, he says this, um, you, you, we read it, he, went, he goes to Arabia right? We don't know what he does. Just, you know, scholars, we have no historical documents, not even from Josephus of what Paul did in Arabia, but everyone I've read, uh, they all suggest that what happened in Arabia, so he's there for three years. After he gets saved, he goes by himself, doesn't consult with a person at all. Uh, most scholars say he, he more than likely in, in a time of si- three years of silence and solitude, he communed with Jesus and what he did is he plundered and pondered the gospel in the Old Testament. He, everything we have in Romans that explains the gospel that the resurrection, death and resurrection of Jesus and the new life by the spirit was in the Old Testament. He discovered it there with God, uh, that it was all really there, that all the, everything pointed to Jesus. Remember when Jesus on the road uh, and he tells his disciples how the whole, Old Bible, the whole Old Testament pointed to him. I think Paul went back and he, he, he discovered the gospel there um, which is really, really powerful. And then he goes and visits Peter for two weeks. So he's like, "There's not two weeks is not enough to formulate this huge gospel doctrine. Uh, and then he visits James and, and then Norm will pick it up from there. But um, here's what you need to hear as we transition here. Here's, he's saying my gospel, my, my apostleship is bound up in my story and I'm not lying. This is who I was when Jesus gave it to me. Then I saw no one. And and this is really my conviction that you need to know that, that what I'm about to preach to you in this letter is actually from Jesus himself. The authority of this letter is I'm an apostle of Jesus. So So then he's gonna pick it up next week. So here's what I wanna do. As we close, I really, really felt that not only should we, application, trust the Bible and and Galatians and go, yeah, this is the true gospel that I'm saved by grace alone. I can trust this. Paul's life can help me trust it. So we have that, we got that. What I felt like the spirit wanted me to do is show you that he really, really loves the story he wrote in your life. That he loves your testimony. He loves what he's done. And, I, and I, want you to, I want you to just stay with me. I want you to think with me. I want you to go here with me. Think about this from a heavenly perspective. If God's omniscient and he's accomplished and procured salvation and you were set apart before you were born, he was really, really wise and loving no matter how hard it was or what shame you were going through or what time it happened in your life. He was, he was involved in every detail in your story. So let me say it this way. Your story is a story of what Jesus took pleasure in doing. He really loved saving you, and he loved the way he saved you. When he rose from death, he was so excited to see its power come into your life. Okay. Um, your testimony means a lot in the heart of God. To him, it's really beautiful. Um, Your life makes the gospel believable. Your your testimony has within it Jesus' power by his spirit that can actually change someone's situation and eternal destiny. Like the power you have in the gospel, in your story, has the power to actually change someone's complete situation and, and destiny. And I feel like the kingdom of darkness has made you think too long, your story's not that interesting. And so what you do is you're like, well, I gotta read all the apologetics. Now I like apologetics. I like Tim Keller, but you feel like, okay, I don't know the arguments. What about human suffering? Look, no one has the answer on human suffering. Okay, he doesn't tell us why all suffering happens. We have purposes in suffering. But, but for you to feel like I, you got to get all this knowledge before you can be used by God to proclaim the gospel when someone comes to Jesus, punched me in the face when that guy gave his life to Jesus uh, in, in that hot tub. What I'm saying is you don't need that. God wants you to know that your story is his power and he wants you to use it. He wants to sh- you to use your story and your testimony, okay? So if you haven't, I want you to get excited again about your testimony, and I want you to ask Jesus to use it. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna actually pray, and I'm gonna ask Jesus uh, to use your story. Okay, but if you're if you're here and you're like, James, everyone around me is so spiritual all the time, and I don't really know, like, what is my testimony, and I don't know how to start. And if that's you, that's that's most of us, by the way. So you don't feel like. You know, so let me tell you how to start. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to, be, I want you to begin sometime this week, preferably tomorrow morning. I want you to write down, even on your phone, and, but here's what you want to do first. You want to invite the Holy Spirit to help you remember. Some of you was on a while ago. So I want you to say, Holy Spirit, will you help me remember how I was feeling, where I was, the way I used to think before I met you? I met you. Uh, And so I want you to write it down. This is, this is where were you and how were you when Jesus revealed himself? And sometimes just, you know, depending on who you're talking to, the Holy Spirit will highlight parts of your story that will really, really relate. So you'll be like, oh, this was cool. But if you're committed to every day going, Holy Spirit, would you help me use part of my story? He will. Okay. So, so that's who were you before, the same thing as Paul did. Then, When did God reveal Jesus? How did that happen? What truths were a part of that? Uh, Maybe you didn't get the full gospel. Maybe you grew up in more of like a strict, it it was like the Galatian gospel. Yes, Jesus, you're saved, now work hard, right? Maybe that was you, but you can then use that and say, I grew up in a church that said, after you're saved, what really matters to God is goodness. And I learned later that that's religion. What really matters to God um, is what he's done for me, not what I do for him. Like, you can use that, but that relates. So use a where were you when God's grace, and it could have been in stages or a seasons, but the key to your testimony, okay, is is when did God's grace and how did God's gospel of grace come in and forgive you of your sin and give you new life in the spirit? Okay, then what happened after what, what, what was your life like when, you, when Jesus changed you? Now, listen, you won't be perfect. The worst testimonies are like, I never sinned and I'm flying on, I could walk on water. The key is go really fast. Like, no, okay. You're, you're not perfect, but Jesus really did change you. And what did that look like? Maybe it was harder, maybe there was spiritual warfare, maybe, but here's what happened. I can tell you, your loves were reordered and you, that's what you wanna share. The loves were reordered. I, all of a sudden I started really loving God. I started hating going to these things and doing this stuff. And I started to love the church and I started to love Jesus. And I, I couldn't live without him. And suffering was a little bit different. I lost my child, and, but this is how I walked through. Like, it doesn't mean your life is perfect, but it means when, when that you have Jesus, he really is real and he makes a difference. That's your testimony, okay? So here's what I wanna do. I want you to stand. So everyone stand. Here's how we're going to close. I'm going to take a risk. Um, and you guys are used to me taking some risks. So I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to actually ask all of you to close your eyes. Um, and I want, I want to ask you that if you want, if you really, really want God uh because he he wants to tell you that he really loves how he saved you and he wants to put his power on your story and he wants to use the gospel in your life to save others and if you're willing to say to him I want you to use my story again I want you to raise your hand so I want you to if you want God to use your story I want you to put your hand up really high and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to just fill you and I'm going to ask him to, to use you and to use the story in your life, okay? So I'm going to pray that and then we're going to go into a time of response. So, so Father, I just want to thank you for those whose hands are high and just reminds me of what Paul wrote in Romans 1, for we are not ashamed of the gospel, We're not ashamed of the power of God to save us and forgive us of our sin and give us new life. We're not ashamed. And so Holy Spirit, I want to just ask that those those whose hands are up, that they would feel deep in their hearts how amazing it was in how you saved them. And that they would feel loved by you, Jesus, and that Father, they would feel your adoptive grace. And I just want to pray and just want to seal it. I don't know how this all works, but seal it, seal it in the spiritual realm that you would then use their story. I pray you'd show them and that you'd give them doors that open to use their story and how they bring in the kingdom of God. So bless this and seal it in Jesus name. Amen.